Welcome to Better Edge, a Northwestern medicine podcast for physicians. I'm Melanie Cole, and joining me today is Dr. Christopher Malazari. He's a cardiac surgeon and associate director at the Center for Heart Valve Disease at Northwestern Medicine. He's a professor of cardiac surgery at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine, and he's here to highlight the Ross procedures at Northwestern Medicine for us today. Dr. Malazari, it's a pleasure to have you join us. I'd like you to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your role at the Northwestern Medicine Bloom Cardiovascular Institute. Thanks for having me, Melly. My name is Chris Malazari. I'm a cardiac surgeon at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. I am also professor of surgery at Northwestern University. And my role downtown here at Northwestern is to lead the program in aortic surgery as well as aortic valve surgery. My academic roles are program director for the residency and fellowship program. So I train incoming and to-be surgeons who are going to become cardiac surgeons in the future. Dr. Malazari, can you briefly explain the Ross procedure? Tell us why it's considered a rare surgery. And I'd like a little bit of an evolution of this fascinating surgery. This is such an interesting topic we're discussing here today. Sure, no problem. So the Ross procedure is named after a surgeon named Sir Donald Ross from Britain. And it was devised at a time when there was no good artificial valves for patients with failing valves. So at that time, we neither had good biologic valves nor good mechanical valves. So this procedure was devised because we use a natural substitute, the patient's own pulmonary valve, to replace a diseased aortic valve. Now, after 40 years of evolution, what that means is that during open-heart surgery, we excise the patient's diseased aortic valve, either too tight or too calcified, and we take the patient's pulmonary valve, which lives right next to it, and use that as a substitute. Now, in the uh, place of the pulmonary valve, we take a donor pulmonary valve from another human, which has been frozen, sterilized, packaged, and pretty much off the shelf. It's in the freezer, is ready to go in the operating room. So in the nutshell, it's a procedure that is complex. It does require technical expertise to perform, so you need a good experience to become proficient. But the benefit to patients is that it's their own natural parts. So we find that patients will have a normal lifetime and normal life expectancy with the Ross procedure. Well, thank you for explaining that to us. So why is it not an option for all patients with diseased aortic valves? What are the indications? Speak about patient selection because that's a really important aspect of this for offering the Ross procedure to a patient and some contraindications that you would consider. Yeah, aortic valve disease can afflict young patients as young as 20 years old and can afflict patients that are older as well, out to 80 or 90-year-old. Now, older patients, think would benefit with uh, less invasive procedures such as transcatheter valve implantation. We call that TABI or TAVR. That's a nice operation because it is a quick operation, very good safety, and pretty good durability. However, young patients are facing a lifetime of potential valve replacements if they were to take artificial valves, in particular TAVI. So for younger patients, 
we think that the ROS procedure is a great procedure because, again, it's the patient's own living parts that we're using to replace the aortic valve. And we like to do the ROS procedure for young patients, meaning patients who look like, who are less than 50 years old or look like they're less than 50 years old, because it's the younger patients that benefit most from this procedure. Speak about any disadvantages and advantages to this procedure as you've seen it evolve over the years and that you're still using it, even though there's the evolution of TAVR, TAVI, all those that you were mentioning. Tell us a little bit why you would choose this. I know you said younger patients, but what else would make you look into this procedure? Yeah, the younger patients benefit the most from the Ross procedure. We find a restoration of normal life expectancy after valve repair and the Ross procedure. So patients will look like they never had valve disease at all to begin with, and that they will live just as long as the normal population of their age. So I think that's the most compelling reason that we offer this procedure to our patients. There's other benefits, of course. I think the Ross procedure is resistant to valve infection. We call that infective endocarditis. Patients still need to be on prophylactic antibiotics when they, when they do have minor procedures to prevent infective endocarditis. But the rate of endocarditis and the severity of endocarditis is a lot better, meaning it's a lot less than patients who have artificial valves. And the third thing is that the hemodynamics from the Ross procedure is like a normal valve. So there is no stenosis at all. So mean gradients to the valve are very low in the single digits, like less than five millimeters of mercury. So that's great for patients who still want to to live their life with maximal capacity for function and exercise. Older patients really don't notice it too much, but definitely younger patients who like to exercise at full bore will benefit from this. The downside is that there is a rate of valve failure. However, all valves, whether that valve replacement or valve repair can fail. We estimate that valve failure after the ROS is somewhere between 1% to 2% per year. That's not that bad. So if you consider if the patient lives, if you follow the patient for another 20 years, that that's about a 20% risk that the patient would need another operation that 20 years. That's actually not that bad. I think that's better than a biologic artificial valve, but that is probably the price that you pay for the ROS procedure. And which valve are you talking about is most likely to fail? Are we looking at the donor pulmonary valve or the aortic valve of the patient? Which one, if you see them fail down the line, which one is more likely to do that? It's about half and half. So the autograft, which is the patient's own pulmonary valve, can fail from leakiness. That happens because the autograft can dilate, they can get bigger over time. We have techniques to minimize that. We reinforce the autograph with Dacron. That's a stiff, sturdy Dacron graph to keep it from dilating. So we think that we can minimize this risk. The homograft can fail by either getting too tight or getting calcified or leaking as well. The great thing about this is I think in about 10 to 20 years, more options will become available to fix either a leaky 
autographed or a failing homographed with a transcatheter procedure, much like a TAVI procedure. There's already devices on the market that can fix a leaky pulmonary valve. And I think that would be a good option for patients. Would you like to give any technical considerations? You mentioned that the experience of the surgeon really factors in here. Speak a little bit, since you are so experienced with this, tell other providers what you'd like them to know about anything specific. You've mentioned patient selection, and you spoke just a little bit about the procedure itself, but expand for us a little bit, Dr. Malazari. Sure. So we think about an isolated aortic valve replacement I do that through a mini thoracotomy approach, otherwise known as minimal invasive cardiac surgery. That operation will be done in about four to five hours, probably about 100 minutes of pump time. So it's a straightforward procedure. It's a quick procedure. You think that is the baseline operation. For the Ross procedure, it's going to take longer. The Ross procedure, I need to perform through a full sternotomy. So it's definitely not minimally invasive cardiac surgery. It's an incision that looks like a coronary bypass grafting. Pump time for this is going to be about two and a half hours. That can be a big deal for older patients. But for younger patients, less than 50 years old or good-looking patients, can tolerate an extended operation and not really miss a beat. They would have a recovery that is very similar to patients who had minimally invasive heart surgery, for instance, which I tell patients to expect about five days of recovery in the hospital. I think the recovery for younger patients after either a Ross or minimally invasive valve surgery could look very, very much the same. Dr. Malazari, this is just so interesting to me as an exercise physiologist, watching these kinds of advancements evolve in the field of cardiac medicine is really something to see. Are there any advancements on the horizon? You mentioned a little bit about valve replacement in the future. What else do you see happening regarding the Ross procedure and diseased valves? Yeah, I'm hoping that in the future that we'd get something like we see in science fiction, that we can grow a brand new valve in a Petri dish in a lab that is made out of the patient's own cells. That dream hasn't been realized yet, but that is sort of what we would consider an ideal valve, a valve that is from the patient's own cells, that doesn't need to be anticoagulated, meaning doesn't need to be on warfarin and can be as durable as a valve that you're born with when you're a baby. So until that time, I think the Ross procedure is a good in-between step because the patient gets an operation that can have results that are close to ideal. But we're searching for procedures that will be the best of both worlds, can be very durable and also very quick and safe for patients I think those procedures are on the horizon. Thank you so much, Dr. Malazari, for joining us today. And to refer your patient or for more information, please visit our website at breakthroughsforphysicians.nm.org slash cardiovascular to get connected with one of our providers. That concludes this episode of Better Edge, a Northwestern medicine podcast for physicians. Please always remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Northwestern medicine podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.